It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Welcome, everyone, to Stoppage Time. Peter and I are here with you this week. We're right in the middle of SEC play. Schedule's not faring so well for the Auburn Tigers. We're here to discuss how to turn that around, what changes we think need to be made, and just some encouragement that we see, just some good flashes, some good signs so far from this Auburn team. It's been a good season so far. Hit a little road bump, a little adversity, but we both are hopeful Auburn will bounce back. So, Peter, what we got this week? What are our news and notes? Well, although Auburn dropped out of the United Soccer Coaches poll after one loss this weekend, Auburn is maintaining and going strong at number 22 in the top drawer soccer national poll. Uh, this isn't a slight to the team, Drew, but I'm amazed that we're still at number 22 after they dropped us like a rock last weekend. Uh, that said, I personally think number 22 is right about where we should be. I feel like the United Soccer Coaches poll got it wrong and top drawer soccer got it right. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, uh, especially after losing the fact that we didn't drop. Um, I, I think that's a good place to be. I, I definitely enjoyed still being in the rankings. That's nice to be able to put next to your name. But I think just as far as the body of work this season, I think it's pretty fair that we're still in the top 25. And uh, hopefully the coaches don't overlook us next week. Hopefully we bounce back with two good wins this week and at least maybe two good performances. We play a tough Texas A&M team this week. But I think uh, that would be good to see if we were able to bounce back in the coaches' poll as well. I know you're going to review this later, and we're going to look at the Texas A&M match, but I think they're number six. So that should uh, shoot us back up into the polls. Of course, we thought beating number 14 South Carolina might do that too. And, of course, we dropped that against them. But we're going to look at that match now. Uh, number 23 traveled to Columbia, South Carolina, to take on number 14 USC Gamecocks on Friday night. In the 17th minute, South Carolina rockets a shot from the top of the 18-yard box to outclimb Sarah LeBeau, putting USC up nil one In the 73rd minute, USC beats the defense and finds the far post, increasing their lead nil 2 In the 77th minute, Sarah LeBeau comes out of goal to clean up a ball and gets crossed up with Sarah Houchin. The Gamecocks take advantage of the open goal, tap it in for the nil 3 score. Uh, USC would win in final time nil to 3 Auburn had 12 shots, 4 on goal. USC had 13 shots, 6 on goal. Sarah Lebeau had 3 saves in the match. Auburn finished the weekend 9-2-1 and 1-2-1 and one, two and one in the SEC. Uh, I know another loss is a downer. We've talked about it. We've kind of, uh, I don't know, had a therapeutic talk about it, I think. Uh, so another loss is a downer after the way the season started. And there, I think there's two ways to look at it, Drew. And... I kind of come to this podcast with these two ways to look at it. Uh, I could say that the wheels have fallen off the program. Uh, we are what two and two and one, one two and one in SEC play, two and one the last three games, or zero two and one in the last three games. I could say the wheels are just falling off, and this is going to be the rest of our season. Or I could be rational. I could be upbeat. 
Uh, I don't like this loss, but I am going to be upbeat. That's how I choose to be today. Uh, we knew that SEC play is going to be a lot harder than our non-conference play. Uh, all these, we talked about all the ranked teams in the SEC. Um, but this is also the team that held the number one offense for a number of weeks. I think we also st still have, I think we're still number one in assists and goals still, Drew. And I wholeheartedly believe that Coach Hopper and this team is going to turn this thing around. And uh, I'm optimistic. I, I know we still have a, a, another tough game this week, but I am optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I am too, to an extent. There's definitely some worrying things, and I, I we're going to get into those a little bit later. But Coach Hoppe has given me no reason to believe over her tenure there as the Auburn Tigers coach that she's going to let the wheels fall off or anything. She she puts forth a quality uh, product every time. And, I mean, even a couple of years ago, you and I were talking about like just the – set piece defense Auburn was letting in corner after corner after corner into the back of the net two years ago and we saw that mid-season just go away uh, we saw after about three or four games it just kind of worked itself out you could see the focus was on defending corners so I definitely think based off of past events that we've seen so far it, it'll get figured out uh, there's a, a couple of things that we that I think you and I both have noticed that I think Coach Hoppe will definitely figure out uh, do you think that the girls are kind of playing with a different mindset now that they've taken a loss and, and taken a draw and now they're kind of getting behind SEC play? Do you think that you're playing or do you see a different play style, I guess, or a different mindset or a little bit more of a desperation? I don't know if I see it or not. I'm just asking if you see it. I see a frustration. I think you see a team that was scoring at will for weeks on weeks and just had a high-flying attack. And it was exciting to watch. It was fun to watch. They obviously weren't losing. But now you see just kind of some chinks in the armor of just miscommunication, some players on a different page than the other one. And you're just seeing visible frustration, not with each other per se, but just with the fact that something's wrong and they can't quite put their finger on it yet. And so I think you see some frustration, but I don't think you see anyone giving up or anything like that. I think Coach Coach Hoppe wants to put the girls in the mindset of, of turning the page because now we're entering October and you have a whole new month. And that's a, gr a great time to kind of turn the page and get this team in a new direction. And I feel like that's kind of what she's trying to drive home right now, that we're in October, a new month of play, starting over, starting this weekend. Yeah, I, I'd hope so. I mean, like you, it, it's a good time. It, it's fall, y'all. I mean, that's what everyone's <laughs> saying now. Uh, but I, I mean, might as well change, try and change somebody's mindset. Go get those girls a pumpkin spice latte or something. Just get. I don't care what you do. Like uh, I, I'm hoping October, going into the meat of this SEC schedule, is a big change in the mindset. And I think Coach Hoppe is probably pushing that as well. I'd agree with you. I'm not a coffee guy, but I think if they had pumpkin spice lattes on the bench, that maybe they'll have a little bit more energy going into the game, you know, or maybe put an espresso shot in there. Yeah, it, I mean, as long as it's not during those 2 o'clock middle of the heat games, because I think we're going to be playing middle of October when it should be nice and cool at 2, two o'clock on a Sunday, and it's still going to be 98 degrees. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, let's talk about the offense first, Drew. I don't think we're going to uh, fix anything today, but let's just kind of talk about what's going on. Uh, first of all, I think Gus Malzahn just needs to hand the offense back over to, to Coach Hoppe. What do you think? 
You, th- you said Gus Malzahn needs to hold it or hand it back over. Yeah, that's what they always say when the offense is in trouble. And Gus needs to get his hands off of it and give it back to whoever. And I think he needs to get it back to Coach Hoppe. Yeah, so I mean the offense is we got to figure something out. I, I I think we're. I mean, let's just go ahead and talk about it. I think the thing you and I both notice and the thing we're most frustrated with is uh, the long ball trying to pop one over the top and basically just get a ball in behind, hope someone makes a mistake, or you just beat them one-on-one. And I've never enjoyed that play style. I think we saw in the first 15 minutes of that South Carolina game, Auburn didn't play that play style and were very threatening and had control of the match. And then we went back to trying to play it over the top consistently and I think that's when the game began to slip away from us. And I think we've seen that both in Old Miss and LSU as well. So that's something I'm noticing. What are you noticing, Peter? Yeah, a little bit of that get lucky play style, uh, trying to catch the defense falling asleep and, and sneak a def- you know sneak an attacker behind the defensive line and get that one v one with the goalkeeper. And really, and I, know, I think you've said this before also, but. We just don't have that communication. Uh, you know, we'll send that ball forward, and the person on the end of the ball just uh, doesn't know what's about to happen, and, and they don't get forward, they don't get past the line, and we end up just turning the ball over. And we've really had some balls that were really nowhere near our attacker sent forward. Yeah, and I think I think part of the frustration I'm seeing, I mentioned earlier, you can see it written on Trevor Acock's face. Like she's not getting good service, and half the time she's going left, and the ball's going to her right, or she's having to make these sprints down for the ball and it's coming away with nothing. Like for me, that, that, that'd just be annoying to play in that. That would just be demoralizing to always be trying to chase down the ball, but never seeing any of the results. And I think that's the point we've gotten to. And like I mentioned that first 15 minutes, we were knocking the ball around one, two passes, working it into the box, had a really good chance and saw a couple of other opportunities that we we chased a little bit, but I thought that was the flashes of what we need to see going forward. And yeah, like I, I just think we we have to get away from that that one ball over the top, lone wolf play style. This team is actually pretty good in the box, and we actually saw that in the South Carolina match where Savannah Poulter got a pass in to Brie Folds in the middle of the box and almost scored a goal there. That was probably our best chance for a goal, and that was within the box. And Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe most of our goals have come from inside the box this season, Drew. Yeah, I mean, we, we've definitely had a lot of goals come from that point in the box. So I, I think I think working it in is definitely a uh, – that's the play style Auburn's always been most successful with. Uh, I think even over the years where Auburn's gotten these offensive slumps, it's because they've gone back to this deep ball over the top mentality. And so, I mean, I, I pitched the idea to you today, I think, I think overall we need a formation change. I think we'll talk about that with the defense. But I even pitched the idea, Brie Folds is struggling to get into the match. But you're, if you are going to stick with this ball over the top needing someone to go chase it down, I think you might as well just move Brie Folds to the forward position and not have her in this midfield position because her speed would actually probably be able to win you a lot more of those balls than you're used to. And maybe drop Trevor Acock into uh, Brie Folds' old position or knock her out wide or something. Or even play two strikers. Just do something. But I think maybe putting Brie Folds up top, if you're going to stick with this play style, may be a good idea. Yeah, I guess I'll come back to the, the formation because I do want to talk about that with the defense. Um, you know, before the Ole Miss match, the only, we've only trailed 
a total of three minutes all season long. You realize that, Drew? Through how many games was that? Six? No, that was no, that was, that was eight games. Yeah, it was eight games. Eight, eight matches. We only trailed three minutes before Ole Miss, and I kind of feel like that was part of the problem here in the South Carolina match, and even the Ole Miss match that they weren't really used to trailing. That you know, even when they were trailing, they'd quickly get that goal back and they'd at least be level, uh, if not winning. And so spending multiple minutes kind of trying to fight and, and climb back into the match was kind of frustrating. I think that might be part of the problem is uh, just not being used to being behind the season. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely new territory. Uh, I could see how they'd be frustrating. The hope is from now that they've kind of got some blood in their mouth where they've been been knocked, and you're hoping that they'll they'll kind of taste that and just go for it from now on. Like we've seen both in this game and the old Miss game that being behind looks devastating almost um, to the team. Not that they wanted to give up, but it just looked like it, it was new territory. You could tell. So hopefully they've got a bad taste in their mouth and don't want to be in that position again because I'm always fine never trailing in a game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we talked about starting over in October. I really do have to hope they take that mindset into October and not trailing, just having blood in your mouth and, and just really want to put your throat in the necks of Texas A&M going forward. We knew Jalen, losing Jalen Gasson was going to be a big deal this season, uh, but we've gone 3-2-1 and one since she went out in the Long Beach State match. Why do you feel the impact has been on this team with the loss of Jalen Gasson? I looked it up. She has two goals and two assists on the season, but she was a really big presence in the midfield. She was a really big presence on the ball, and she had a lot of speed. Yeah, I mean, I think I think both the, both you and I, we talked about Jalen Gadsden's injury, and I think we mentioned at the time we didn't think it would be that big of a deal. I don't think we've been as wrong as we've ever been with that, with that prediction because I think we are sorely missing Gadsden. I think she gives uh, the ability to change the formation. She's got speed. She's got very good creativity, very good vision passing the ball. And I think it just it, it lost us a sub like for like up top, like for like down the wing, wherever Coach Hopper wanted to play her, she fit in. So I think we are missing basically a super sub right now and even a, a high-quality starter, just depending on how Coach Hoppe wanted to use her at the time. So I think her presence is sorely missed right now, uh, especially uh, she was someone who always got into the box and always made a good pass in the box. So I, I think losing her this season was definitely more hurtful than you and I thought at the time, I guess. You know, uh, Coach Hoppe is still kind of playing around with that starting lineup. You know, Gasson was a starter. She was in the starting lineup, I think, every match this season until she got hurt. And when we saw Cammy Rogers two weeks ago, we saw Olivia Dedells this week. So I think Coach Hopp is still trying to find that combination to replace Gadsden. And you kind of see that uh, even Coach Hopp sees that, that missing piece and, and just trying to do what she can to uh, just at least have a starting team that, that gels really well together. Yeah, so – I mean, we might as well move on to the defense, uh, and I think we're going to talk about too. Coach Hop has been playing that three-person back line. Uh, what are you, like? What are you kind of thinking about that? Just like you said, she's we're playing three, and I asked you before the season, do you think we're going to be able to still play three going to the conference play? You thought it would be fine, um, and and maybe it is still. But Sarah Hodgson is a great defender, but I feel like she's struggling a little bit in the middle as the lone center back. Uh, last year, she had her partner in crime there, Carolyn Beto. Carolyn Beto was a world beater. Uh, she played great. Sarah Hodgson played great really well t- beside her. 
Uh, but now Houchins right there in the middle by herself, and uh, she got it beat a couple of times in the South Carolina match. We saw her collide with Sarah LeBeau, kind of trying to get back, and uh, gave up that ended up giving up the last goal. And I think she got she got beat a couple more times on uh, in the Ole Miss match. Um, and I kind of noticed it's kind of her left side that she's getting beat on. And that's where we, all these goals are coming from. Is Houchins' left side? Uh, do you think we need to see a four-person back line going forward and maybe plug somebody into that uh, into her left side or at least there in the middle? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I'm looking. I'm trying to envision the formation as we kind of talk about this. Now we're seeing three. She's playing two wingbacks, so technically we had called a five-person, but those wingbacks are always all the way up to the field, and it's a highly subject-to-counterattack type defense. And so I, I think definitely what we what I would like to see is go back to a four-person back line because I thought the three would be fine, but we're not playing with like a shielded defensive mid. And so for maybe you non-soccer folks out there, uh you obviously get 11 players, one being the keeper. So you have 10, 10 players to figure out how you're going to line them up. And what we're seeing right now is a three-person back line, so three committed defenders. And we have two people who are defenders, but they're going up and down the field most of the time, mostly committed to offense. And then we're running two two or three in the midfield, if you count Brie Folds there, and then one up top. I think my math checks out on that one. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, my mouth checks out, so that's amazing. Um, but yeah, so I, I think moving to four committed defenders where those wings are able to go up a little bit more and maybe committing, instead of having wing backs, committing more to the midfield, going with more classical approach like a 4-2-2 uh, with four defenders, four midfielders, and two up top, or even a 4-5-1 with someone just playing off the striker. I think that would maybe would be a better formation and give us a little cover in defense. And I think that would give that back line a little more confidence going forward. But I don't think that takes away from the offense. I, I think a four-person back line would be good. The question is, who do we play there? Because you and I both have looked at the roster, and we're sorely lacking with center backs right now. We have a couple who have red shirts on, but we have none that are really available other than Sarah Houchin. Yeah, we talked about Emmy Cravens. She's a freshman this year coming in, but uh, right now I believe she's redshirted. I don't think she's played at all this season. And but I think with you've got two injuries right now, uh, well three really if you uh, include Ashton Brock, who's not played at all this season. Uh, Corey Loxley and Jalen Gasson and, and Ashton Brock. So if you got three injuries on your bench, you know sometimes you got to do and you got to burn that redshirt and, and put her in. And uh, I think she's six one. She's tall. She's the tallest girl on our team. She's six two. Uh, she six two. She's actually taller than a couple of our starting basketball players. Let's just put that into account. Right, and she's a good defender. I mean, she's not just tall. She's a good defender. So, I don't know. It might be t- time to burn a red shirt and put her in there and give Sarah Houchin some help. Uh, but also, we've seen Coach Hoppe move people and from other positions and put them back there. Taylor Troutman's right now is playing on the defensive line. And she's a forward, or at least a midfielder. Um, so, and I think Coach Hoppe does that because she pushes those wing defenders all the way forward and, get, and puts more pressure on the goal. And, and she wants Taylor Troutman in that role. But still, Coach Hoppe is not afraid to, to move people around, put them back there uh, in a defender role, even if they're not a defender. And uh, that might be another option. Gianna Montini might be a good person to back there because she's kind of a defending mid anyway. Yeah, and I mean, you don't give up much height with her 
either. So, I, and I mean, she's a senior. She's a she's rock solid. Maybe that opens up the midfield a little bit more to get some people in there. Abby Jacobs is one who I don't think's played either this season. She's a freshman listed as defender midfielder. That may be someone you you may need to burn the red shirt on. Uh, I think you got to get someone in there either by moving someone back or by just just figuring something out along those lines. I, I think I think definitely a four person back line is what's going to be needed. And honestly, I think you're probably going to see just previewing towards the spring. I think you'll probably see a couple center back and defensive commits coming for the Tigers. Yeah, we really need them right now with uh, only really three true defenders or three or four true defenders right now. Uh, well, I don't know what the formation change will look like this weekend, but I know we have two matches coming up. Yeah, we do have two really tough matches coming up and let's go ahead and hop into those Thursday not Friday, Thursday, we travel to face Texas A&M down in College Station. This game's actually going to be on the SEC Network for you people who have it. It's going to be a 6 p.m. kickoff. Looking forward to that one. Peter mentioned earlier, Texas A&M's a high-ranked team, top 10. Uh, and we struggle in College Station. And so this is going to be a good kind of redemption story if Auburn can pull out this win. Texas A&M is doing phenomenal this year. Uh, like I already mentioned, 11, one and one on the year, but they've kind of stumbled into SEC play, got a win to kick off against LSU one three Oh. So that was a very good win for them. But then they took a loss to Arkansas in Fayetteville two to three, and then did a double overtime one, one tie to Ole Miss. So, I mean, they've kind of come into SEC play same way that we have um, maybe not as bad as results because they've gotten to play Georgia. So lucky them. We'll get to play them later this week, but they've gotten, gotten about the same results. So they've come into sec play after starting off very good, uh, beating the number nine team at the nation in the nation that time four Oh, um, and just some good quality wins. So I think this is going to be a tough game. I, I don't know what to expect of it, but it is good news that Texas A&M has kind of come in stumbling out the gate in SEC play as well, don't you think, Peter? Yeah, I don't know how much faith I put in that because we've kind of stumbled in it also, and I feel like we're a number one SEC team as well, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that going for, for the rest of the season, I think Texas A&M is going to be our hardest match going forward. You Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. So this is going to be our toughest match, and – more than anything else, I think the girls need to be mentally prepared for this match. And I think that's what they're going to be focused on this week is just getting mentally prepared. And that may be part of Coach Hoppe's plan with that, turning the page for October, uh, because this is going to be the biggest match of the season coming up. And it would be huge for Auburn if we win, beating the number – I believe they're number six, Drew, uh, this – at least in – I think it's a top drawer soccer poll. I th they're number six in one of the polls. Um, but that would be huge for us and would really help us in the rankings. Yeah, and this is going to be a tough defense to break down. Out of their 11 victories, they have eight clean sheets, and they normally score about three goals a game in those clean sheets and just three goals a game overall. So this is a high-powered offense, a very good defense, and they defend College Station very well. So uh, this game's going to be the SEC Network, like I said, 6 o'clock kickoff. Definitely encourage you to tune into that on Thursday. And as far as the other game this week, uh, on Sunday we travel back home and to defend Auburn against the Georgia Bulldogs at 2 p.m., and that'll be on the SEC Network Plus. Georgia, on the other hand, stumbled out of the gate this season, not out of the gate of SEC play. They've been stumbling the whole season. They are 4-5-3 and three 
Georgia is definitely a team that we should circle that if we struggle against A&M, we, we're hoping we don't, but if we struggle against A&M, we need to come back and kick the mess out of Georgia. One, because they're Georgia, but two, because they're not great. Uh, they took a 0-5 loss to Vanderbilt last week and a 0-2 loss to Texas A&M and College Station. So this is a team that we need to get a win, a, like mark down a win for. Uh, definitely think this is a team we should be beating. Hopefully, home game, playing Georgia. Hopefully, this is at least a uh, a one zero and one weekend, if not a two and a weekend. What do you think, Peter? We got to beat Georgia. You know, we beat them last season. We uh, we beat them in uh, spring play as well. And they're just a trash team. They're just really bad. They're just not a soccer school at all. And so if you drop one to Georgia, that's really bad. We got to get that win. Um, and we really need to beat Texas A&M, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm hoping to know uh, Georgia will also face South Carolina at home that week before they travel up to Auburn. So hopefully South Carolina takes care of them and gets them a little bit down on their luck to play Auburn. So hopefully they'll be two wins on the weekend. That's what we're hoping for. Definitely tune into those. Like I mentioned, Texas A&M will be at 6 p.m. on the SEC Network this Thursday. Georgia will be SEC Network plus 2 p.m. Tune in for both of those. That's all we got for you today. Peter, you got anything to add for the for the guys and gals at home? Double-digit wins next week. All right. Where can they find you on Twitter and the rest of the world? You can find me on Twitter at Seminary Sugar Daddy, S-E-M-I-N-A-R-Y-S-G-R-D-A-D-Y. Or you can find me on Facebook on the E2C Network discussions page. I'm on there. Come at me. Let's talk soccer. Let's talk football. Let's talk Auburn. And you can find me on Twitter at Drew underscore Hoop, H-O-O-P-0-2. You can find me on the E2C Network's discussion pages. Sometimes I love to discuss Auburn bass fishing and equestrian because it seems those are the two sports we really rock at. Uh, No one can beat us in. We have the best horses in America. So catch me on both of those. And until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?